But today, man, my spirit is, is hot and ready for this day. One of my dearest friends in all of the world is here. Um, I had the joy of serving as this uh, amazing leader's pastor, and this guy is truly family. We've done a lot of life together, uh, ups and downs, but God has put his hand on Kwame and Koo. He's a graduate of Stanford University. You've probably heard of Stanford. Um, he is was one of uh, the closest friends to Prince, uh, the musician. Um, he might tell you a story or two about that. He is also the founder of the Stanford Black Angel Tech Fund, a venture capital initiative to provide um, money for entrepreneurs who are launching businesses, minority-owned businesses. That is a group of graduates all from Stanford uh, that is creating a very exciting venue. You probably may have seen Kwame host MSNBC. He's on television. Uh, but he's all that, but he loves Jesus. He's full of the Holy Ghost. And he is a man who is deep in some crazy circles in this life, but he doesn't compromise his faith, his love for Christ, his commitment to God's word. He is everything we want a graduate of North Central University to become. And so I'm also excited because Kwame Anku is joining our board of regents for this university. So would you guys get on your feet and welcome my good buddy Kwame Anku to the platform? Have fun. Just have fun. Have fun. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Man, I'm just so full of energy and excitement. It's exciting to be here with you all. You look beautiful. The worship team is off the chains. Good Lord. Thank you so much for blessing all of us. Just amazing. Just really, really amazing. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I got some stuff to share. Uh, the Spirit will move me and take me to some amazing, exciting directions. I'm not quite sure where we'll go, but are y'all ready to go on this journey with me? Okay. Now, I was, wa- I was raised by a British woman, so we like formality. We've got to start correctly, so I got to do kind of the formal thing. It's just in my DNA, so let me get through that, and I will you know, honor my mother by doing the normal, intellectual, proper thing. President Hagen. Mrs. Hagen, esteemed colleagues, brothers and sisters in Christ, and most importantly, the students of North Central University. It is my distinct honor, privilege, and pleasure to be with you this morning, to share with you what's on my heart, and hopefully inspire each and every one of you. Is that all right? Okay, cool. Now that we got that out the way. (laughs) I appreciate all of those uh, wonderful accolades, my dear friend, President Hagen. Uh, it's always exciting. It feels good. I heard some people going, yo, he went to Stanford. Okay, cool. I heard some people go, oh, he worked with Prince. Okay, cool. And, it, you know, it feels good, and your ego gets stroked a little bit. But I've learned in life uh, that we have to be clear there's a difference between what we do and who we are. And I'm real clear about that. So uh, I want you all to know that out of everything that I do uh, on the investment side, the business side, marketplace ministry, all these different wonderful things, I get to travel all over the world. I get to speak to lots of people. I get to be in amazing meetings. But the thing that I do the best, the thing that I'm the most proud of 
And this is the thing that I understand is the divine assignment that I'm on is being the father to a nine-year-old young man. I think we have a picture. Can we put him up there real quick? And my friends, the order that we sent them in was the order, yeah. Yeah, so see, now this is why I need prayer. <laughs> wow, watch the next one. Let's see the next one. Yeah, you see? <laughs> I need a whole lot of prayer. <laughs> when you love God and look that good, problems. Let's see the next one. <laughs> right? Can we start praying right now, please? <laughs> You're going to be 10 in three weeks, so you know what I'm dealing with. Right? And let's see the next one. He thinks he's Black Panther. <laughs> he just like walk in my room in the morning and say, Dad, Wakanda forever. <laughs> like, we, no, we live in Sacramento, son. This is not Wakanda. <laughs> All right, so let me do a quick prayer. I know we're, we're going to get into it. We're going to, you know, jokes aside, we're going to get into some heavy stuff, but I, I promise that we're going to end uh, light and uplifting and inspirational. Um, so let's pray together. Father, we are grateful today to be in this place, in this moment in time, that we know that there's no such thing as a coincidence. We know that we are here for a very specific purpose. And Father, we make it simple today because we want to let you know that we are here to declare our love for you, to humbly and graciously receive your love for us, and to make sure that everybody within the sound of our voice understands the love we have for one another. In Jesus' powerful name, we say amen, amen, and amen. So, 1,904 extra days of life. I stand here before you, my brothers, my sisters in Christ, with 1,904 extra days. I'm on 114,191 and a half extra hours. What do I mean by that? Let's take a look at this picture. Now, this picture was taken five years ago in the emergency room in Sacramento, California. The picture that you're seeing was taken by President Hagan. I fell ill with acute pneumonia in both lungs and dropped in the ER. My heart stopped and I stopped breathing. Now, when your heart stops and you stop breathing, you have a couple minutes before you die. The doctor said that I wasn't going to make it through the night. The prayer warriors from our church were at the hospital. They were sending out a network of prayer warriors around the planet Earth. 
somehow I made it past the seven hours, six, seven hours that they said I wasn't going to make it. And I was in a place that was all dark. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't see anything. But I could hear the sound of my own voice. And I'm floating in this space. The only thing that I could think about was the picture of the little boy that you saw at the beginning. That's Elijah Kojo Dada Anku. Elijah, the Lord is my God. Kojo, the Ghanaian name for Monday born boy. Dada, the light, the star. I didn't negotiate with God. I didn't beg and plead. I said, God, I'm not going to die. God, I'm not going to die. God, I am not going to die. I'm not going to leave this child on this planet to try to figure out how to become a man without me. And I said that over and over and over for what seemed like an eternity. Then I woke up. And when I woke up, I had a breathing tube, a feeding tube. I had three IVs, one in my neck, and a catheter, and couldn't move. Slowly explaining to me what happened, I realized I couldn't talk, so I just went like this. Somebody get me a pen, and then I wrote down on a piece of paper, how was Elijah's first day of school? I just want to make sure he was okay. Now, for time's sake, I'll speed up a little bit and tell you that the doctors then said, He's in such bad shape, he's going to be in the ICU for six weeks at least. Now, they didn't understand how I made it past the seven hours. But the Hagans understood how I made it past the seven hours. The real-life church family knew how I made it past the seven hours. And I could feel the energy of the believers that were praying for me while I was in that space. I could literally feel the energy. So, supposed to be in ICU for six weeks. Six days after that happened, I walked out of the hospital. (laughs) And it's amazing, because the thing, I want your takeaway to be from that. It's something that my dear friend, Mrs. Hagen, just shared with me while I was sitting next to her. It just was not your time. It was not your time to go. And it's hard sometimes to share that story. One, because it takes me back to that place, which is scary and painful. But also because we know that we've all been in situations with loved ones where that was not the end of the story. And they went back home to be with the Lord. 
But the comfort and the peace that I have with that is that we all have our time to be here. It just wasn't my time. And the main thing that I want you guys to glean from that is when I said 1,904 extra days. And you hear people say all the time, hey, uh, you know, you got to live every day like it's your last. Right? Carpe diem, you got to seize the moment. You hear that a lot. When your heart stops and you stop breathing twice in one week, and you're not supposed to make it six, seven hours, and you're talking about now you're almost at 2,000 extra days, you operate at a very different level of reality. I am conscious of every breath that God gives me. Literally every breath. I'm conscious of it, and I'm grateful for it. And full disclosure, you know what my prayers sound like every night before I go to sleep? This is my prayer. Lord, thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. And I fall asleep. That's what it is. See, it's a gratitude for the gift that we have. And the, the gift of life is so powerful and so precious. And that's why I said at the outset, God, we love you. We accept the love that you have for us. And we're here to make sure we're very clear that we love one another. How many of you would agree that we're living in a very tumultuous time right now? Okay? Very tumultuous at every level. Are we functioning like a country that loves one another? Are we functioning like a world that loves one another? Is that not what we're commanded to do as Christians? So maybe you struggle with this, and you're asking yourself, well, I'm a believer. I, I love my brothers and sisters. I'm looking at the world. So many of us are supposed to be Christians, and what I see is turmoil. What I see is chaos. What I see is anger. What I see is divisiveness. Like, how many of you have asked yourself a very simple question? What is going on? Like, what is happening? I think I may have the answer for you. You know, a wise person once said, when you change the way that you see things, the things that you see change. And I submit to you that we have to look at the world in a very different way then we're looking at it. What I believe, brothers and sisters, is that what you are witnessing is the collapse of old systems that no longer function for the new age that we're going into. Now say that again. What I believe is that you are witnessing the breaking down of old systems that no longer function for the new age that we're going into. And the good news and the silver lining and all this craziness is the new world and the new age that we're going into will be designed and built by you. When I go places, people, man, all this craziness going on in Kwame, you're always in such good mood. You're so happy. You're so hopeful. Look, it's not just blind faith. It's because I believe what I just told you. So I'm not worried about what looks like all the calamity and the breakdown. I'm not even worried about that. What I'm focusing on is the new age that we're going into. 
And what I believe is that you all, the young generation, are the ones who are going to be the architects, the general contractors, and the builders of this new society. It's technologically based. It's a human-centered civilization with architects who understand that we are here to build the world that God designed us to have. That's what it is. So what are the forces that are at play that are making things a little bit difficult? We walk in life down a road. And as believers, it's called the road of righteousness. It's the path of righteousness. You walk down the road. You stay on the road. Works out quite well. The challenge is there's a lot of distractions along that road. Hey, take a sharp left and come hang out over here. Hey, take a sharp right and hang out over here. Hey, this looks really fun. You can just take a little break from the road of righteousness just for a little bit. You can come back. What is that voice that's trying to get you off the road? It's not a pop quiz. (laughs) That's the lure of the enemy. We're going to get heavy now on Monday, but we got to get heavy for a second. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay, look. I hear a lot of times people say there's this battle between, like, God and the devil. There's this battle between good and evil. You, you can't put God and the devil on the, in the same sentence. Right? You're dealing with a God that created the universe. And think about the three descriptors of God. Omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. That's the God that created the universe. That's the God that created all of us. That's the God that birthed us with purpose. And what's the diabolical one? What's the descriptor there? Three things, too. John 10, 10. To do three things. To steal, to kill, and destroy. You remember the picture that I showed you? That was the enemy trying to do what the enemy does. Let's see the picture right now, too. This was, this was seven days after this. Let's see the next one, please. Seven days. Okay. Thank you. Now, look, it's not just me. It's all of us. We got to think real quickly. When we say the devil is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, now think about that. Wouldn't it be terrible, obviously, if you were in battle against the enemy and the enemy was just trying to kill you? That'd be terrible, right? It doesn't say just kill. The first thing is steal. This thing is so diabolical that what it wants to do first is steal your joy, steal your gifting, steal your faith in purpose so that you start to doubt who you are and you start to doubt who God is and you start to verbalize it so the people around you can see that your faith is breaking down. 
He wants to torture you and then publicly display it. That's the steal part. Then take you off the planet. He said, well, what's that? I mean, that's it, right? That'd be terrible. You're in a battle, you get killed, that's it. No, he's not done yet. What does it say? Destroy. He's not just coming after you. He's coming after everybody around you. And he's coming for the generations that will come through you and can't come through you if he can take you out. Why? Because he knows who you are. And I submit to you today, brothers and sisters, part of the reason that we're in such turmoil today is because fundamentally we don't know who we are. We know what we're doing. We think we know what we're doing. But we don't know who we are. And think about how crazy it is. The evil one who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy, he knows who we are. In some ways, he knows who we are better than we do. That's why he's working so hard to take us out. Steal, kill, and destroy. But we're serving the God, the God that is omniscient and knows everything. We're serving the God that is everywhere. We're serving the God that is all-powerful. So see, this road of righteousness, that's the road that you're on. The enemy has no power over your life. All the enemy can do is try to get you off the road and tempt you off the road. So you're the one that makes the choice. I just kind of take a detour for a little bit. It's cool. I just get, I'll get back a little bit. Right? I, got, I, got, I got GPS. I got God positioning system. I'll find my way back. <laughs> what? No. And it looks good. And it sounds good, and it smells good, even feels good. But all of that is a ploy to steal, kill, and destroy. He's tempting you off the path to take you out. And stay focused. How did I end up? on an emergency room bed with no breath and no heartbeat twice in one week with six hours left to live. Medically, that was, I had pneumonia in both lungs. That's true. Medically, I went into septic shock. That's true too. But spiritually, what was going on? Now, that's barren the soul. I don't have to get into all the particulars and specifics, but I'm here as your older brother. I'm here as your uncle. I'm here to be able to say that, like, you can't fool people because the fruit is in the life that you're living. Okay? doesn't mean if you get sick, you're doing bad things. What I'm sharing with you is that the more bad choices you make, the worse life is. And the better choices you make, the better life is. And I can tell you, with 1,904 extra days of life and the extraordinary things that have been happening and happened in my life, I had to make changes in order to stay consistent with what God has created us to be. Let's take a look at another picture. Now, this is in Africa uh, this past summer. I had to go twice, once for fun and once for business. And you are seeing uh, little Elijah Kojo 
with his three first cousins, and you are seeing my, believe it or not, younger brother, who is behind me, uh, who looks older than me, praise God. <laughs> and, and my father, who turned 78. So we're there celebrating Father's Day, and we're celebrating uh, my dad's birthday this past summer. That's the gift. That's a good th- time to clap, yes. Thank you. <laughs> so in life, a lot of times, you know, I get asked, I do a lot of trainings. Uh, I get to, to speak to business leaders, especially uh, entrepreneurs. And, you know, people always ask me this question. What is it that you, you know, if, if you could, what is it, how's it go? Um, if you knew then what you know now, what would you do differently? Right? You guys, that's what drives me to be around younger people. And I don't say young people like you guys are young and little kids. I just mean younger people because, quite frankly, when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, I wish there was a lot of things that people who were in their 40s like I am, I wish they had told me, right? And I wish I had understood about life and about my spiritual walk. And that's what drives me to share with you a little bit of my testimony today. Yes, I had an extraordinary experience working with Prince. Uh, He flew me out here the first time, first class, and got to stay with them and stay at his house and have dinner with them and learn from him. And I got to d- develop his first app. I got to direct a music video with him. I got to learn some amazing life principles. And my heart was, was broken when we lost them a couple years ago. Right? One of the things that he taught me, I think about life lessons, is he said, you know, Kwame, when people start a business or start a project, They always think about, well, what if it doesn't work? I need a contingency plan. I need a backup plan. He said, what I want you to do every time you start something, I want you to ask yourself the question, what if it works? I want you to be prepared for outrageous success. That was something he taught me in his house, just him and I. But think about the gift that I can stand before you and give that gift to you. We want to make sure, you guys, and I'm, I'm so honored to, to be serving on, on the Board of Regents. We start, I guess, at the end of the month. And I want you to know that I, I see that as being a ministry for you all. We're here to help make sure you have the resources and the support that you need to be everything that God created you to be. And you have my assurance that I'm going to work hard with the rest of the team and this incredible leadership to make that happen. But it's not just being at board meetings. I want to be accessible to you. And we can figure out different ways to do that. We can do video conferences and all that kind of stuff. Because I want to teach you some of the things that took me 30, 40 years to learn. I want you to know now. That mission work that I talked about with my son, who's going to be 10 in a few weeks, I made a decision I was going to teach him most of the foundational life lessons that I learned by the time I was 30, by the time he was five. And I actually accomplished that. We want to do the same thing with you. There's so much that we've seen and there's so much that we've learned. We don't want you to be going into this crazy world functioning from a place of fear and uncertainty. We want you to do as as the power of the word says, that we walk by faith, not with fear. We want you to know the things that took us a while to figure out. We want you to know those things early. And so I'll wrap with this in terms of what I do and how I connect it in terms of our spiritual walk. I'm in the investment world. That doesn't sound too spiritual, 
right? But it absolutely is. Because the whole concept of investing is rooted in planting of seeds. And in the divine world, when we plant seeds, it doesn't just make one thing. The seed makes a tree. And the tree has fruit. And the fruit has a whole lot more seeds. So the fruit can be used to nourish us and to grow us. And then the seeds, we replant, and then we continue to grow. See, we function in a world of limitations. Our world, for the most part, is addition and subtraction. God functions in exponentiality. So I figured out real quickly that the world of investing is a, is a biblically-based spiritual practice. But we don't just invest in plant seeds and invest in the companies hoping one day we can just make oodles of money. We do that so that there's resources to build the world that God designed us to create. I have a dream one day, and maybe one day, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're able to build a building that I can write that check for because of the work that we do with our investments. Some of you are called to be in the mission field. Some of you are called to be in full-time ministry. Some of you are called to be in medicine, in design, to be singers, to be actors and actresses, to be in marketplace ministry. I want you today, as you're figuring all of this out, to have the peace in your heart and in your mind that you are always on divine assignment. And you don't have to feel guilty of the thing that you really are passionate about to say, am I really doing God's work if I'm over here and I'm not in full-time ministry? Because you gotta receive from God that you are on divine assignment and you have been given the skills and the talents and the resources and the gifts to perform that assignment and do his work where you're placed. And maybe you'll be there for two years or 10 years or 20 years, that we don't know. But whatever it is that I do and wherever it is that I am, I'm always comfortable with the fact that I'm on divine assignment. And my life might look very different 36 months from now and I'm okay with that. And we want you to have that peace. Some of you know exactly what you're gonna do. Some of you are still trying to figure it out. But that's what I wanted to share with you today. So as we wrap it up, because I got, we got two minutes, is there any way, do we have the musicians that are still here? Are they still here? Okay. Can you all, and this is, this is quick, whoever's here is cool, particularly my friend, the bass player. I, I love all you, but you were like making me about to cry. Uh, so I, I, I need to hear you sing. <laughs> yeah. Can, can, you do, can you do that? Oh my God, it's amazing. Uh, can you do that piece that where um, you, you said, I knew you would come? Can you do that for me? Just that, like that part? And everybody, we want you all to sing if you feel the Spirit's moving you, but I, I gotta hear your voice. <laughs> Wait, hey, brother, what's your name? What is it? Grant. Grant, okay. Grant's my new best friend. <laughs> And we'll do it quick because we're mindful of time. Um, the, I think part of the reason why that resonated you guys so strongly with me 
is because my favorite scripture is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. And I love that concept because it's a paradox. How can you have something substantive that you can touch if you're hoping for it? How can there be evidence of something you can't see? But we heard it in the chorus. I knew you were going to come. I knew you were going to come. When I was choking to death before I was in the ER, and I said, I'm not going to let a four-year-old child find his father dead in the bathroom. I knew God was going to come. When I got in the car and drove myself to the ER with him in the back seat, I knew God was going to come. The first time they pulled the breathing tube out and I told them not to pull it out because I knew there was something still wrong and they said, Kwame, it's okay, we're just going to pull it out and they pulled it out and my eyes rolled in the back of my head and I started choking again and my heart stopped and I stopped breathing and as I was blacking out I knew God was going to come. The devil will play all kinds of tricks on your mind to instill doubt and to get you divided. Divided from one another, divided from our country, men and women, and most importantly, desperately trying to get you divided from God. Are we going to let that happen? Are we going to let that happen? No. Are we going to let that happen? No. So I, right now, y'all, I'm going to listen the same way that you're receiving this beautiful, beautiful chorus. And I just want to hear the voice and let that spirit penetrate into our hearts and penetrate into our minds. Again, 
family we have one life this is the time we are not afraid we walk in faith we understand that the house divided is a house that will fall we understand that a family that's pitted against itself cannot stand we will be the family that is united we will be the house that will not fall. We will not believe the lie of the enemy that divides us, but we are bound by the truth in the word of God that unites each and every one of us. I see you, young man with the hat backwards. I see you smiling. I see you. And I love you. Amen. Thank you, each and every one of you. God bless each and every one of you, and I'll be around for the next couple of days to listen, to help, to serve. But more importantly, now that I'm going to be on the board, you've got a new friend. You've got a, you've got a big brother in Christ. You've got Uncle Kwame that you can count on to be here for you. We love each and every one of you. Thank you all for your extraordinary gift and sharing that with us. Thank you, Grant, to my new friend. I'm going to FaceTime with you so you can teach me some songs. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much. President Hagen, I love you.